2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young. In today's podcast, uh, I'm going to try to be doing stuff a little bit differently um, with how we do the podcast. Um, maybe as you listen, you'll find something different. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out myself. But I got a lot of friends that are pastors. Uh, and they come on here and they bless this mug. And today is the homie, Yonky Con, Connor Yonks. Uh, this guy's been such a blessing to me. Um, his ministry has been such a blessing, and I had never heard his story before. And you're about to hear it. And. It's another wonderful person who has been set free uh, by Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. What what else can I say? You know, it's just more of the same. These stories have so much life. It's more of the same. Um, and so I'm excited for you to hear it. Uh, I'm excited for you to go to lovereality.org. I'm excited for you to go to my Bible study, the Death of Life Bible study on Tuesdays at 1.30 Central. I'm excited. Um, I'm just excited for all of it. But right now, Yonky Con, Connor Yonkers, let's, uh, let's get to it. Strap in, buckle up. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Que me buscan por allí, pero yo me atrevo a que tenga que sufrir. 
I grew up in middle school and I just had a way slower metabolism than my twin brother at that point in life. And so my twin brother was really athletic and I was until a certain age around eight or something. And then I stopped playing sports because I got into music and got into guitar and everything. Mm -hmm. And he was just always way more popular in middle school, especially and I always hung out with the same group of friends. And I was like that punching bag for the friend group, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I was always the punching bag. I was overweight. I got made fun of for my weight. Um, I got made fun of for being the slow, one of the slower people on like the mile run for gym class. Um, I was always the, always the last pick for gym class. Um, and so I ended up being in this like thing called the magnet program at my public school by the way i went to public school before i went to academy okay um and in public school there was this thing called the magnet program which is like a stem program where it's like all the smartest kids are in those classes and so i ended up excelling in that type of thing because at least i would be accepted for being smart and how much i knew right right if i wasn't going to be accepted for like my physical abilities and so I kind of like found my identity and like how much I knew and all this stuff. And that carried over to high school. And high school was really where I started to struggle with anxiety and depression. I remember um, I just and, it, and I think it was just part of puberty. Like you hit this point where you start maturing in the way you think and the chemicals that are happening in your body where I just started experiencing like these deep waves of depression and feeling like I wasn't good enough for people. And I think that's where everything from my childhood just started like hitting. Uh, and, and it was a lot because I really, really, really wanted to be loved by friends and by a girl one day. Like I was pretty obsessed with um, trying to find somebody to date because everyone around me was, you know, they had their high school relationships but nobody ever like wanted to date me when I was in middle school or high what school. What kind of and music were you listening always... to at this point? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so at this point in life, I I really found a lot of commonalities with the way I thought and looked at the world at that point with screamo and metal music. <laughs> I was gonna and say you were a was... sad boy, but that I don't think screamo is sad boy, is it? Is it? Well, yeah, no, it's it's one and the same thing basically. All all screamo bands like all their lyrics are emo. Like, I mean, I listen to My Chemical Romance, I listen to like Avenged Sevenfold, um Sleeping with Sirens, all these all these Warp Tour bands, if you know what Warp Tour is. I was super in that scene and then I ended up getting into the heavier bands that were more underground. Um and I was part of the hardcore scene for a bit, but that was more towards early college before I went to Southern. But yeah, like I ended up identifying with those lyrics because it's all talking about like either breakups, being sad, being depressed and just kind of being a broken person in that whole uh, journey of just living as a broken person as best you can. Like that was literally like what I spoon fed myself with. And part of it was because it was just fun to play on guitar. Like metal music is mad fun to play. Uh -huh. But in doing that, like, I just ended up, like, identifying with it, too, the more I listened to it. Um, and I ended up almost m making a screamo band, <laughs> like, legit. I almost tried to make it big um, with me Were and my best friend. But it, 
I was yeah, I was gonna be the both clean and unclean vocals, which is like screaming and singing. And I play guitar, and he was gonna do the keyboards and the drums, and we were gonna find other band members and fit the roles that we couldn't do all at the same time. But it never ended up going. Did you anywhere. write any I think songs? We, re- we recorded one demo that I remember, and it doesn't have any vocals, but like the all the instruments were recorded. It actually sounds really good randomly. Like it's just, uh, and it's on SoundCloud somewhere. If if anybody goes to look it up, okay, we're gonna need just to find called, that. Yeah, what's the name of the band? It's called. Uh, it's not even. We didn't even. Our band name isn't where it's placed on SoundCloud, but our band name was called Eight Years Later because me and my best friend, we were always like, we should start a band, and then we didn't really start that project till eight years later. So we named ourselves Eight Years Later. It was lame. <laughs> no, it's lame if you tell the reason, but Eight Years Later sounds cool. <laughs> oh yeah, well that's we weren't gonna say say the reason unless we were like we made it big and we're in an interview and just talk about like oh yeah we made up a lame name because of this and like some people would think it's kind of cute and funny like at once you make it big but if you're like not big as a band that's just gonna sound super lame yeah <laughs> so we weren't gonna say anything with anybody <laughs> so how can I find it on SoundCloud what do I look up uh I'll send it to you later but uh <laughs> it's called metal. It's called Metalcore Demo, but I don't know how many people have named something that. But yeah, it's on there okay, somewhere. I'm looking forward to listening to that. So you're in your feels. <laughs> Nobody's going to date you. You're the Dude, last. Yeah, and part of, part of the whole reason like why I'm obsessed with why I was obsessed with like finding someone to date is because my dad the way like he just like painted marriage in my mind was this is something my dad always instilled in us as a kid whenever like we would talk about like my, my dad would just like talk. My dad loves my mom. Right. But to the point where he would always be like, now remember guys, what is our goal in life? And this is what he would say to make our women happy. Huh. And so like, that's, that's what he would say. Like, what's our goal in life to make our women happy. And he'd have us repeat it after him. Like it's some noble cause. Um, and so then I basically went full force. And I'm just like, man, like I ha- like, I have like this purpose in life if I find a girl and like make her really happy and like do all that. Right. Um, and also I wanted to be accepted in love because I wasn't getting that at home from my dad or re- my mom sometimes, but like it was really hard to connect with her because she was just really distant with being deep and, uh, and talking about deep things. Um, so yeah. So like I made it a goal to really like, I don't even think I really, purposely made it a goal it was just so like in my brain from a young kid that i'm just like oh yeah like dating is gonna be the thing and like finding a girl who is like pretty and like for sure funny and all this stuff so like i was just obsessed with that and i was just i just really desired to like be with somebody to make them happy <laughs> oh man i mean it seems like we all felt like that like finding probably that was the answer yeah, it's the answer. It would complete my life. That's what it just my dad made it sound like is like this is the last thing to complete your life after you graduate and get a job is like being married, right? Um and so yeah, like I didn't really date anybody for a long time. I was still struggling with my weight um and everything. But then I ended up starting to like I had like two girlfriends in high school and I remember the first relationship I was in it was not even a big deal whatsoever. I didn't even, I didn't even have my first kiss with her. I didn't even kiss her and we dated for like a couple months. 
Um, but I was just, we were both really nervous and too nervous to do it. But we uh, basically, and there's nothing wrong with that, honestly. But yeah, like she broke up with me and I remember being so sad and I just took it so way too seriously. I remember being so sad and she ended up dating somebody like two weeks after me. And I was like, how could you do that? Like date somebody else. Did I mean nothing to you? Yeah, exactly. I had taken her to, to Christmas banquet and then like a couple weeks later she was on my birthday in January. She was she was she didn't get me a gift, right? She didn't give me a birthday gift. And since that she didn't, she had to let me down around then because it would be awkward if she like didn't get me a gift and didn't tell me why. <laughs> so she's like, she I didn't get you a my... gift, but it's not because of what you think. I want to yeah, break happy up birthday. with you. <laughs> We're break- yeah. <laughs> happy birthday. I'm breaking up with you. Um Dang. And so I remember telling, dude, and this is the thing, I got really good at lying and just like stretching the truth. And that was just a pattern that I had because in order to do anything in my household that I wanted to do, I had to become a really good liar because my dad was a detective. <laughs> like he was a detective for a couple of years. And so I don't know how many times like he knew I had done something or whatever, but I was tired of trying really hard. I got to this point where I was trying, done trying really hard to please my parents because I never was enough, honestly, that like I just ended up being like, all right, like I'll just like appear pleasing just so that like I'm good with them and they're not Mm -hmm. mad at me. But like if I do do anything that I want to do and they don't disapprove or whatever, I'll just like lie about it and just make up something and in doing that, I just became a really good like liar and stuff and convincing. And my mom always said, you'd be a good entrepreneur because you can just sell stuff. And I was like, I don't know if that's scary or not, but that's just what, Mercy. what How happened. old were you? And so, How old are you at this time? Oh, yeah. <sighs> this probably started a little bit in middle school, but I'm probably like 12, 13. That was when I started going through puberty. That's when it really like. When when did you when did this girl break up with you? What grade were you in? I was a junior, so that was two years later. But I I say all this to say this. Um, I uh, had lied about having a dream. Oh no! That yeah, I had lied about having a dream, and so I I texted her. I'm like, hey, like I had a dream. And in the dream, like, blah, blah, blah happened. And that means, like, God really wants us to get married and be together. And I lied about it just because I wanted so badly for her to still accept me as her boyfriend and still love me that way. Um, And so I was just, like, on thin ice already. And I was just really reaching to still have, like, affirmation and love from her and acceptance because I just felt like I didn't – I felt like my life was – it felt like my life was over and it was just – (laughs) <laughs> like a dumb high school relationship, but that's how I felt, and so you I went did that. Ellen G. White and said, "I had a vision that we're together." Or a <laughs> Basically, dream. did she fall for I was, it? That was no, thank goodness. <laughs> like I'm so thankful she didn't fall for that man. It was it was such deception, and I know it confused her and stuff. I had wrote this long, this long letter, gave it to her. And had like the reasons why we should be together still. And I knew she was with that other guy. And I just really wanted to, I wanted, I wanted so bad for her to choose me over someone else. Right. I always felt like I was like not chosen before somebody else because of that type of thing. That's so sad. 
I was reading a yeah. novel today. I just finished reading this novel, and it's about Ernest Hemingway's first wife. And don't read anything about Ernest Hemingway. He, he had a hard life. But this yeah. woman that he's cheating on his wife with is just like, tell me you love me. And he didn't really love her. And he's like, I love you. She's like, tell me that you choose me over your wife. And he's like, I would choose you over my wife. And it's just like this woman in complete deception. But just like we need to hear that we're more important than somebody else. It's not even mm-hmm. that we're important, period. Like, we got to be more important than, than than this other person so that we can get our value. It's so mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, and it stemmed completely from, like, my childhood and always being second to my twin brother, honestly. Like, he was already dating girls and talking to girls and stuff when I was really desiring that. And whenever I would try, I would just get hard friend zoned. So that like this first girlfriend, I mean, it was just a huge thing where I was just like, finally, like I have somebody and I never want that to like change. And so when it changed so quick, like my heart just like shattered and I was just doing everything I could just to like get her to stay. Um, And, but what really intrigued me, and I think this is where my whole life really just kind of switched directions, I think, was this relationship because, like I said, I had stopped really caring about having a relationship with God. I still want, and this is the thing, the whole time I still wanted to be a good kid, but I wanted to like do my own thing at the same time, and it was just this weird dichotomy, Um, but... Her, this person's mom was just a prayer warrior Hmm. and she was, she was like, and not to dog on anybody, like she was just the sweetest lady. She was one of those Adventists that, uh, like wore nothing but like jean dresses and everything. And that was okay. Like, um, and I'm not saying like those things are necessarily bad. I just like, she just was this, she was just always talking about Jesus, how good Jesus is. And she would have me pray on the phone when I would call her daughter and all this stuff. And I was just so intrigued that somebody could just like be in love with God so much because I didn't see that at my house. I saw at my house like a bunch of rules that I had to follow. um, And we go to church because we go to church. And then when we come home, we do family worships because it's the right thing to do. But it never felt like genuine. Right. Right. Um, But for her, like with her, like it felt genuine and just sparked this interest. I'm like, man, I really just need to like pray more. After, like, this girl, like, didn't accept my offer of believing my my fake dream, <laughs> I was like, man, maybe I'm, like, I'm, I'm way out of line. Like, I need to pray and, like, get more spiritual, basically, is kind of, like, my, my, what was my thought process. Um, and also, during that time, like, I had had a, oh, this is a huge thing. My freshman year, I had passed out um, in the hallway and hit my head really hard on the ground because I ended up getting diagnosed with this thing called Wolf Parkinson's White Syndrome, which is basically where I had extra electrical pathways that shoot adrenaline to my heart. So I legit had this procedure to get those things ablated, which is like burnt out of my heart, like microscopically. I I had that procedure literally like right after this girl broke up with me too. So there was a whole thing there where I was like, God, I don't care if I live or die. Like, but if I live, I promise, like, I'll dedicate my life to you. Because it was, like, right after she didn't accept my offer for the fake dream. <laughs> um, and so then I ha- then I go then I go into the surgery, right? 
I wake up early in the morning. I like put my my pants on, my shirt on, and I'm just like feeling good because I'm just like, man, it was weird. I felt really at peace whether I lived or died, dude. Like I legit just didn't care. And I was like, man, like I just like feel at peace because I just don't care. And so I was just at peace. And I went to the John Hopkins Children's Hospital to get this thing done. And I remember going under on the anesthesia and homeboy uh, was like, all right. It was was not Ben Carson. It was not Ben Carson. He's a brain surgeon. Yeah, my bad. Oh, you're good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so homeboy like injected me with the stuff and I just started like going out. But I remember right before I went under, I was feeling it to start its effect. remember praying like, yeah, God, I don't care if I live or die, but if I live... I promise I'll dedicate my life to you, right? Um, And so I ended up waking up. (laughs) And on the way home, I prayed to God saying, all right, God, I guess I'm going to live for you and not for myself anymore. I don't really know if you're real. And I don't know how to pray, really. But I know that if you are real, you're going to help me learn all this stuff. But I'm going to start doing things for you now. Help me with that, right? And so I start using my guitar skills instead of like... My dad would always like dog on me for playing metal music in my room. He's like, uh, he's like, when are you going to stop playing that demon music or whatever? That's what he would say to me. Um, but I stopped, I stopped... I didn't like stop playing that music, but I started playing worship music for my high school. And I created a praise group for our prayer and praise every day, which was like this like middle of the day thing where we'd come and do worship music and have a short worship talk. And so I started uh, playing for that. And around that time I was, I became a junior or yeah, it was the end of my junior year and I became a senior and no, this was my junior year. No, we're still in junior year. We started going over prophecy, right? Uh-huh. And my church actually never like went over prophecy with me, at least like the Adventist like like hardcore prophecy that I think a lot of people are like a little scarred from from being afraid when they were kids on it, like all the four beasts of Revelation and Daniel and all this stuff. Um, but I remember uh, like I had never heard any of that before, and I just gave my life to Christ, right? So I'm like wait, like, this stuff is in the Bible? And I was just like, man, God, like, you, like, I just don't know how, like, all this just fits together so well throughout history. Like, you must be real. And so that really just sparked my interest in, like, having a relationship with God. But it was all because I wanted to make sure I was ready for the end times. Right. So then then we get, yeah. Gotta be Um, ready. Gotta be ready. Uh. And at that point, I was actually working at The Review and Herald, which is the printing house for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, or at least was until it closed down in 2014. But I was working there in the bindery, like throwing paper in the machines to print all the books and magazines like Adventist Today and Adventist World and all this stuff. And I was listening to Doug Batchelor's sermons on prophecy, like while I'm loading these machines and I just kept like being so convicted that, man, the time is near that I need to be ready for Jesus and everyone else needs to be ready for Jesus. Um, 
But I never was like, I want to preach this. I never wanted to preach in front of people. I just wanted to like make sure I was personally ready. Sure. But whenever Doug, ba- Doug Batchelor would basically say, well, if you know the truth, you need to preach the truth. And that would just make me feel super guilty because I wasn't actually sharing this. And so I was like, oh, man, I need to share this. But I don't know how to public speak. And I'm deathly afraid and would have panic attacks whenever I had to go up and present something in front of a class. Um, but Doug Batchelor was like, you need to preach the truth if you know the truth. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like I hear you, but I won't be doing that because I can't get up in front of people. I was like Moses, like I can't speak in front of all these people. <laughs> I can't public speak. So that was a whole thing. We ended up, I ended up graduating um, after like a whole other high school relationship because I was junior year. A whole other high school relationship I had, and it was super serious, or at least more serious than the other relationship. Um, and this is where, like, my anxiety just spiked because I started having OCD anxiety, which I think I'll go into a little bit because if anybody here has struggled with OCD anxiety, like, for real, not just like the, oh, I need to have my desk perfect or make my bed yeah. every morning or wash my hands vigorously. Like, it's way more broad than that, and I didn't have that kind of OCD. And for anybody who goes through that, like, I know that's a very real experience. Um, And I would have, like, these thoughts, these – it's basically intrusive thoughts, and then you'll compulse to make yourself not think those thoughts, but it will just reinforce the thoughts so you think them more. And I had, like, these irrational thoughts, not only of passing out in front of people because of my freshman year when I passed out – but now I was in this relationship with this my second girlfriend at the time, and I was having these thoughts of, ooh, like, what if I'm gay? Mm-hmm. Like, what if I'm actually, like, not attracted to women, but I'm actually attracted to men? And that thought would just make me have so much anxiety, and it would make it worse because I knew that I, that wasn't true. But why was I having the thoughts of like questioning why right right and so in having those thoughts i would like freak out and it just became like this thing that i couldn't get out of my head and then i would freak out that i couldn't get out of my head and i thought something was wrong with me and i ended up starting to go to counseling for it my girlfriend at the time ended up breaking up with me after i told her like hey like these thoughts I'm having, like, this, these are the thoughts, and I don't know what to do with them because I know they're not true, but they just keep coming up, and it's scaring me. I ended up scaring her, which I don't blame her, and she ended up ending things, and that just made me she feel She broke up with you because thoughts. of these thoughts? Yeah, but she was also, like, going through her own stuff at the time. Like, she was also, like, super anxious all the time. Honestly, when we got together, we both just, like, related in our brokenness, and that kind of was, like, how our relationship was. Because at least we had commonality with, like, our anxiety and depression, which ended up just being awful. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, not, that's not it. Yeah, so I ended up doing that and going Was to the counseling, counseling helpful up. for your OCD? The counseling was not helpful for the OCD, but it helped distract me from having those thoughts. And we ended up, like, it ended up helping me, like, process the breakup more than it did the ocd but the ocd ended up going away by itself at that point there's another point in my life where like it popped up but i'll get to that um and it hasn't popped up since because you know jesus set jesus me free, yeah, he but, set you free eh, 
Yeah, he set me free from any negative thoughts. But So when um, you're graduating, did you know where you were going to go to school and what you were going to study, or were you still kind of confused on that general direction yes. on where your life was so going? after that after that breakup it was close to the end of the year senior year and i kind of just wanted to at that point i really was convicted that i need to have like a better relationship with god so i ended up like really just wanting to focus on my spiritual life and not date anybody unless <laughs> that girlfriend that had just broken up with me wanted to get back together and i would have said yes in a heartbeat but unless it was her, like I was not gonna date. You're anyone. Like, should I try the old dream trick with her? Maybe that one will work <laughs> with this one. Bro, I can't tell you how much I learned my lesson from the first one. I was like, <laughs> I'll never do that again. First off, it didn't work. Also, I thought about it. And I was like, yo, that's whack as heck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, we're, we're so yeah. So after this relationship, I mean, we had talked about, and we were just as high school relationship. It was just too soon to talk about marriage or anything at that time. And we talked about it. So I was like, I don't know what to do with my life because I had it all planned out already in my head, even if she didn't. Like, I had those thoughts of everything planned out in my head. Um, But I ended up graduating and I was going to be going into cybersecurity (laughs) um, and computer stuff because that's where the money and jobs were and still are kind of. And it was my parents screwed me up, like trying to like help me um uh decide on a job based on financial stability which isn't necessarily a bad thing but like it was all about financial stability and not about whether or not i was like actually fulfilled and that's what god wanted me to do it all had to do with money and like is this gonna pay the bills are you gonna have a job always Right. And so I was like, oh, well, this like fits what I should do because what I should do is based on what my parents told me. And so I take one class in coll- in community college in Hagerstown, Maryland at HCC. And it was like, so- it was like cybersecurity 101. I hated that class. <laughs> it was the most, it was the worst class. I'm going to be a everyone cyber there, And then you go take dude, a class. Everyone oh, there had been it. like... <laughs> Everyone from that class had been hacking like things at, since middle school. And then here I come with like, oh, I like computer stuff. Like I can use Microsoft Word. I can <laughs> I can like kind of fix things and move my way around Windows XP. Like I think I know a thing or two. And then everyone there is like using Linux and like hacking like things and all this stuff and know how to program stuff already. I'm just like, what is this? And nobody there in that field just wants to hang out and talk. Like, they're all in their own little world. Um, and I was just like, well, I want to talk to people because I'm kind of social. And, yeah, it just was not a good vibe for me. Um, and I ended up switching my major, like, three times that whole year in community college to, like, pre-pharmacy. Then I shadowed a pharmacist, and I was like, yo, I don't want to go to school for 12 years just to hand older people drugs and oh, drive through that's window. that's not <laughs> Dude, it's like I'm not trying to like it's so crazy yeah. how one class will and it's like if it's over your head will while while you're that age and you're early in college will make you question yeah. everything because yeah, I, I was a communications major yeah. and I took an upper division class because like it fit my schedule and I had no idea right. what anybody was talking about and I got scared and I ran to my advisor and I was like, ah, I gotta drop this class. And I should yeah. have probably just I changed my major and everything. I probably should have stayed with communications. 
But it's like when when yeah. we're over our head and we don't understand it, it's just fear, right? You're just like, what the yeah. flip am I going to do? And then you yeah. make bad choices sometimes because you're just afraid. Yeah. And yeah. And like that was my mentality at the time. Like now I would have done whatever God wanted me to do. But yeah, I was just like, yeah, like this class is whack. Like I don't want to hand drugs to old people. Like I was just always negative and everything. And then I switched to psychology because I wanted to help people, but I didn't get good grades in that field. So I was literally left with, I don't know what to do. And then I was going, I was working at a summer camp. I had worked at a summer camp that summer before that semester. There's two semesters in college at Mount Etna summer camp. And I loved it. And mm-hmm. it was such a spiritual like moment for me. I was like, yo, a place where people are just like wanting to like serve Jesus. Like that just felt really good. Mm-hmm. And I always looked up to like my Bible teachers and that whole year, like uh, one of my, uh, the the Highland View Academy pastor ended up having Bible studies with me like every Tuesday, Wednesday night um, during my time being in community college because I had posted some cry for help on Facebook saying, man, I wish I would have taken my spiritual life seriously. And he DM'd me. He was like, hey, man, like I saw your uh, post. You want to have Bible studies? And he just like poured into me. And for the first time, like he, he like I had somebody that actually believed in me and it was a pastor. And he was just like, want it. He he's like, hey, can you play electric guitar for our church? I was like, I can play electric guitar for church? Because at that point, like, that was just like not welcomed at my church. It was always like a controversial issue. He's like, yeah, man, like we do this young adult program in the afternoon once a month called Uticus. And I ended up playing for that. And What's he had me preach name? at some point. Uh, Sergio Menente. Man, I, I, know, I know. I knew you were going to say that. Praise the Lord for Sergio you know him? Benete. Yeah, man. Praise the Lord for him, right? Yeah. And the impact he made dude. on your life. Dude, Sergio, like, he and he just poured into me like nobody else and just believed in me. Um, and he knew I was struggling and he just like went for it. And man, I I miss that dude. He ended up like moving out to Washington State, which he's just being like a great pastor out there, but that dude, he instilled this conviction and this this joy and this love for ministry, right? Right. And that I could use my talents for God and not have to feel like it's shameful to play like my electric guitar. Or, like he made Bible study fun, dude. Like he was like, all right, we're going to read the gospel of John and this is like a treasure hunt. I don't want you to think like this is something that you like to have pressure. Like we're just here to hunt for treasure. And he just made it so fun. And for the first time, I was excited to go to a Bible study. And from that point, like my mom was like, because I was telling her, I was like, hey, I don't really know what I want to do, but I just don't want to do this. And she, I think really the Holy Spirit just spoke through her. She's like, you should go and be like a Bible teacher or be a pastor, a youth pastor or something. And I was like, yeah, like I want to be like Sergio Menente. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I want to go to Southern because everyone that worked at Mount Etna went to Southern, and I loved them. And so that's when I ended up deciding to go to Southern after a year of community college. Good old Collegedale, Tennessee. And you were and you yeah. were um, religion or theology? Uh, I started out as religious education, and then, um, oh yeah. So this is a huge yeah. This is a huge part of my story. Like. I really didn't know like the Holy Spirit's voice until I received the gospel in 2019 
However, there was like a couple instances where I just knew the Holy Spirit just like spoke really clear in my mind. And that was one to go to Southern. Right. And do and do something in the religion department. And then two was to switch my major from a religious education to theology, like straight on theology to become a pastor. And those are just two clear moments that I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me a lot before I really could discern his voice clearly. Um, Yeah. And there's not much in my first two years at Southern. I just ended up basically being a lot pop, a lot more popular at Southern than I was in middle school and high school. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) I went in there, I was playing music, guitar for like everything. There was one point where I played for like six things on one weekend where I was playing for different churches and school events. And then like, um, even I played some stuff downtown Chattanooga and I was just like, my whole identity ended up being wrapped around how good of a guitarist I was and like how many people knew me on campus. And it felt good because for the first time, like I was actually known, like I was actually popular and I never had that because my twin brother was always the most popular. Where's Dom Yankee at this time? Dude, he would Dom Yankee ended up going to trade school to fix airplanes, which is pretty dope, actually. Is he still fixing airplanes, Dom Yankee? Oh yeah, he's still fixing airplanes. He's in uh he lives in Bridgeport, West Virginia, fixing airplanes. Good for him. All right. Back to yeah. Yankee Khan. Back to the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, dude, I was known on campus for Yankee Khan because like I mean, I ended up dude, it was actually crazy because everything that I thought I ever wanted. I was getting. Wow. I was getting popular. Um, I ended up making a lot of good friends. It was like a complete restart from my life in high school and middle school. Like I just knew like it was just so different. And I did got I ended up like really like learning about a huge thing for me was like learning about social justice and like my mind was changing on politics at that age in in college because I ended up like playing with a lot of musicians from Oakwood and everything. And they started like telling me all their like um, stuff that has happened to them uh, and how they've been oppressed and everything. And my dad grew me up as like a police officer's son, making sure that like I knew the, the straight and narrow of being a conservative Republican. And I just had like this like awakening and like um, of what I thought at the time, you know, like to, be woke and everything and it felt good like i was being accepted by like people that were of color i was being accepted by um a hispanic community like brought me in and like i had this guy who mentored me named abel and he's a pastor in florida now um and yeah dude like i just ended up like it like my popularity and like my what my whole worldview just like exploded and like everything was just so different and i just loved it and I just had such a good first two years of at Southern. However, like it came at a detriment because it ended up becoming my identity. Right. Like my identity was all wrapped up in how much I could do spiritually on campus. Like uh, my junior year came around and I ended up being part of stu- like essay on the on the um, what do you call it? The Senate essay Senate. I was on essay Senate. I had been an RA. I was doing worship music everywhere. I was now part of campus ministries and like I would burn myself out so much yet 
I just didn't care because I wanted to be seen as this person who was really spiritual, passionate about ministry, good at guitar, and I wanted girls to think I was attractive. Like, I was single at that point. Still, I hadn't dated anybody for, like, three years. Uh And, like, it felt good to get, like, DMs, like, after church, like, after I play guitar at, like, Hamilton or um, at Collegedale Church, like, on like for Vespers, uh-huh. like I'll get DMs from girls being like, Hey, like I really liked you, like how you play guitar tonight and all this stuff, just to say a compliment. And like, I would just eat it up without like ever committing to anybody. I was just like, yeah, I'll take that compliment. Sure. Cause I never had gotten it. And I was like, yo, finally, like I'm being recognized for like all this stuff, you know? Yeah, man. And so you're, uh, in some ways you're, one of the more popular guys on campus your your dreams are coming true um it's your identity yeah. now what does that do now that it becomes your identity dude it becomes my identity so if anything were to happen to let's say me being seen as this like really spiritual guy or really good at guitar or attractive like in whatever way possible like whether it's because I'm musically or they physically think I'm attracted. Like if anything like that were to like be talked about in a negative way from anyone, like I was super insecure. Like that, that just put an enormous like pressure for me to keep that up, that image up so that if somebody ever thought something less than that, like I would just feel so bad about myself. Like I needed this like image and this whole thing that was built up to like remain there or else I would just be shattered and be back to where I was feeling like years ago in high school when like during breakups or just feeling like at my house, like I wasn't accepted. So what did you do to stop that from happening? Like if you felt like any of these things were in danger, what would you do and how would you act? Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. That's actually what kept me out of trouble, I would say. Um, like there were many moments as a th- as a theo major that I could have wild out a little bit more, but I used the pressure of needing to be good because I'm a theology major, and like I used that and like that I wanted to be seen as a good kid and that I was spiritual a spiritual leader on campus. That was my safety net for like not going out and like ruining my reputation of like either like drinking, partying, hitting a blunt or doing anything like that. I had opportunities to do those things, but I never did. And I honestly, in my mind, it began to begin to like pump me up to this level above other people who were, um, who were participating in those activities because I was trying really hard to maintain my reputation and other people weren't. I was like, oh man, like they're just like doing this because they're just like lost and all this stuff. And I was just like really just looking at people in a shameful way. And I was just like super prideful. And so I kept that up by, and being a theology major was my safety net. Wow. Yeah. So what happens next, man? Yeah, dude. So, this is where everything starts to to flip and I start to hit rock bottom. At this point, I had changed my major to theology. And I just remember being in those classes, dude, 
And I just remember, I'm like, man, I'm missing something. Because in high school, in community college, I was obsessed with prophecy videos. And I was obsessed with this guy named Walter Veith and his stuff on uh, secret societies. And he had like a bunch of stuff, information on that and how like that's part of Satan's plan to use like Freemasonry and the Jesuit order through the Catholic Church to bring about the end times. I was obsessed with that stuff, man. And I go to I go to Southern and I didn't really know much about the Bible because I only knew what I was taught in Sabbath schools as a kid, but I didn't care for a long period of time. But I knew the stories, but I didn't know some of the details. Like I a lot of my worldview of like just to put in perspective. I didn't realize that David had taken Bathsheba and like slept with her and then had her husband like sent to the front lines to be killed because I had watched the VeggieTales version of him <laughs> wanting the rubber ducky, right? <laughs> so like that's what I'm ta- that's what I'm talking about. I didn't know these story details and, <laughs> and being a theology major like helped me to learn all these things and You're so like oh he 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 killed that dude then. Yeah. And then and oh and <laughs> yeah 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 That's exactly wild. and yeah man and as a and growing up in that kind of mindset when i got to be a theology major and also like when i was in a community college dude i was like i, I had gotten into like drinking a lot with my friends mm-hmm. not anything crazy but like i remember i got drunk um i think it was my 18th birthday and it was like right before i decided to go to southern i was like just laying in bed and if you've ever had the spins because you drank like my mind like everything's just spinning i'm just like remember thinking what am i doing with my life yeah what am i doing and god was just like i just felt like god was so disappointed in me and i just really needed to get my act together so part of me becoming a theo major also was like all right well like at least this will be the safety net where i start changing so i thought being a, a theology major would transform my life Right. Mercy. And so I'm learning all these new things in the Bible that I didn't know. Like, I feel like, and everyone told me, like, Southern is like the best place to study theology. And that was just from like all the conservative people in my church said, because they think that like every other Adventist university teaches whack theology. <laughs> um, and so I go to Southern and it's like really conservative. And I just remember thinking, like, like I would hear things and I'm just like, yeah, that sounds right. So I guess I'll accept it. And I was always like, just so open-minded because I didn't know a lot. And so I just like accepted things and everything and these mindsets that I had learned to teach people, but none of it ever transformed my life when I tried to apply it heavily in my life. Like it would work out until it didn't work out. And then I felt awful about it. And then um, I would have to get back up again. A big theme that started when I was 13 years old pornography was a huge addiction I had because and I think it really just stemmed because I just wanted to have intimacy with somebody because I was never popular enough to get a girlfriend and like that was just kind of like what I went to and so it became a huge addiction by the time I was a theo major like here I am like struggling with this and then another theo major came out to me he's like hey man like I don't know like if you struggle with this but like we're gonna start a purity group and I was like yo, I want to join. Like, I'm tired of doing this just like you are. 
And then lo and behold, it was a group of all Theo majors. I'm like, yo, I'm not the only <laughs> Theo major that struggles with this. Let's go. And I, we just like had a, a whole group. But like, we never like really were transformed. Like we just ended up trying really hard not to do it anymore, but we would always just fail. And then some of us were just a little harder on each other than others. If like one person was slipping up way more, like sometimes the stuff that some of the other guys would say to that guy would just be so harsh. And like that person just ended up leaving the group and then it never, what do you mean? Like, never hey, helped. just it knock it off, love. man. Just like, what, what would this yeah, style dude. be? Yeah, basically that, like, essentially that's the message that came across is like, yo, just stop. Hmm. And it was talking to a bunch of people who didn't know who they who they were in Christ and, like, what they have in him. And so we were like, I can't stop. Like, I've tried, like, my whole life I've tried. And, like, it, nothing works. Right? Hmm. And so hmm. eventually, eventually the group fizzled out after that semester was over and we all worked at camp or went wherever. And then we came back and then a lot of the guys just didn't want to meet anymore because it just wasn't a good experience for them. And I ended up trying to make another group because I was like, well, at least I had visible victory because at least I saw how many days I had gone. Right. And I thought that's what is matters is like how long I haven't done it. And so I was like, well, I'd only had that because I had other people helping me. Right. Um, and so I was like, let's make this group again. And so that's, that was kind of my thing is like, I began trying really, really hard not to sin mm. because that's what I was taught to really do. And I was like, man, I just, I just need to listen to the spirit more. I just need to be more spiritual. I need to pray more, do more devotionals. I need to like cut out social media. I need to stop watching these TV shows. I need to stop, um, like doing all this different stuff just so that I don't sin. <laughs> right. So it just became very, like I was just obsessed with not sinning basically. I've been there, man. Yeah. So yeah, that's How basically that it. And then dude, never worked, <laughs> never worked. And then, yeah. And it just like, it just sucked. But like, I was like, man, like, and I never felt like God fully accepted me unless I wasn't doing it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I never believed like God accepted me. I felt this guilt coming, approaching him when I needed to ask for forgiveness. And I went there and would be like, God, like, please forgive me. Like, I just don't know how to stop. And then like, I would just hope that one day I'd wake up with not having the desire to do it anymore. And right. that never happened. Right. And then this is where everything starts to uh change again when i started talking to this girl and i wasn't super interested but i was like well she's nice so like let's just give it a try and excuse me um and so we started uh we started talking and i wasn't super interested at the at the at first but then she ended up working at the summer camp i worked at with me and we started dating and she just pushed marriage hardcore, like Ooh. super quick. Yeah. And guess what I did? You're like, I guess we got to get married. <laughs> I was like, well, that makes sense because I'm going to graduate eventually and you're a nurse. You're going to be a nurse and I'm a Theo major. Do you play the piano and, that, and teach Sabbath school? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. She sang really good and we did praise stuff together. 
at the camp that summer. And I was like, yeah, this makes sense. Like, why not? And so she just like pushed it hardcore. Her family pushed it hardcore uh, because they're from Brazil and Brazilian Adventists are like all about you marrying, especially a, a pastor from America, you know, like it was a huge thing. Um, I actually preached my first sermon at her parents' church in uh, Lemonster, Massachusetts. Um, so she's up in uh, some of the people we know, their neck of the woods in Massachusetts. Yeah. But yeah, man, like it was, to say the least, like it was just a really hard relationship to be in because she always made me feel bad whenever I wasn't meeting an expectation she had for me to meet. Yo, this is a break. I'm putting a break in because oftentimes people are like, yo, your podcast is so long. Um, I, Could you put a break in? So this is a break. I'm listening to it. We're about halfway through. And during this break, I just want to tell y'all that I love you. So now you know that you're loved. If you need to go to the bathroom or have a place to stop, this is a good place. And then you can come back later or just continue to listen. Anyway, break's over now. Back to the pod. So she would she would put stuff on you that you weren't living up to her expectations and it yeah, hurt you? Definitely. It hurt me. And here's the thing is like it hurt me that I wasn't being good enough and I wanted to. And part of that was because my dad always told me that my goal was to make whoever I was with happy. And because they weren't happy then I wasn't really fulfilling like this purpose that I felt like I had to um, carry out. And so I wouldn't get upset at her. I would get really upset at myself. And I just hated whenever I didn't do something that she wanted because I wanted to make her happy. And it was my goal. I thought it was my job to make this girl happy. Um, And, you know, like I don't blame her. Like she, she like grew up in, a household where like it was very performance based too and so she was just viewing me the way she viewed herself as like needing to perform right and so it was just like this constant like well you need like it's you're not loving me and so that's not love so what are we gonna do now to move forward to love each other better um but it was always about like what we needed right versus like how can i love you sure Right. And so that was the whole relationship. But the whole time I was like, well, like, this is fine. Like every marriage like has their struggles and like every relationship has their struggles. So like, this is nothing like we'll figure it out and we can still push forward for marriage. And I just remember talking to her dad um, and I had asked her his her hand for her hand in marriage when I had gone up there for Christmas. And it was just like a surreal moment because it was just like am I really doing the right thing? But whenever I would have those thoughts, I'm like, well, like it, who knows? Like, I mean, it's not a big deal. Right. And I, <laughs> I just had that mentality through the whole relationship. Um, and I, 
I genuinely loved her. Yeah. Like she was she was a nice girl. Like she didn't really like she wasn't like awful. It was just we just would get into these little like things where like I wasn't performing well enough or she felt insecure and she put those insecurities on me. And sometimes I would put my insecurities on her towards the end of the relationship. And it was just bad. She found out about my porn addiction and how'd she deal with it? I was like, no, um, it was, it was fine. Um, and there's reasons for that, but like, she was just like, well, like, what are you doing to like, like take care of it and everything. I'm like, I'm doing this, this and this. I have this purity group, all this stuff and everything. Um, and I'm trying really hard. Right. Yeah. And she was like at peace with that. Um, but like probably like once a month she would ask me like, how are you doing? And I'd be like, good. And I was not doing good, <laughs> but like, I didn't want her to know that I wasn't doing good. No. Um, like terrible yeah. this last weekend. Yeah. Honest, yeah. honestly, like every day this week, but good. Yeah. And so, yeah, dude. So that would that would happen, and I just felt like I had to like hide who I was in order to make her happy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I had to be somebody different, and I was okay with putting on that mask for whatever reason because I was just like, well, my job isn't that's selfish if I don't try and make her happy and like fulfill her needs. It's selfish of me. That's what I thought. Right. And so I would just shame myself. This is where shame and guilt came into my part, and I'm like, man, like. I'm lying to her about like my addiction and how bad it is. Like I need to make it up to her at, in some way, in some sort of currency to exchange like the love that I think I deserve from her. Because right now I don't think I deserve anything from her until I get my act together type thing. I just felt so undeserving of love. Um, so what was your exchange up, for it then? Uh, what do you mean? Like you said, you needed to give her something. What was it going to be marriage? Like, okay, I'll marry you. Oh, no, no, no. Like, the exchange would be, like, me, like, making her happy enough. Like, like for example, like, I would make these date videos that we would go on, um, put them on Instagram, um, and everyone loved them. So, outwardly, like, our relationship looked really cute and, like, was really fun. And so, I would just try and make, like, our relationship super special by doing all these nice things for her paying a lot of money sometimes to like get her gifts or take her out on these really nice dates that were fun, like to like the aquarium or going to get couples massage or I don't know, dude, some, some random stuff. And she would do the same. Like we ended up alternating, like each time somebody would plan a date, but we just felt like we had to make it super special so that we could convince each other that we love each other. You know what I mean? Mercy. While in the back of our minds, we were always insecure in the relationship and didn't actually enjoy it as much as I think we often you wanted it. it towards each other. I wanted to enjoy it, but I couldn't yeah. because I just didn't know if I really enjoyed being with her. <laughs> like that was honestly like a struggle I had and it caused me anxiety. Yeah. Like I wanted to enjoy it more than I was enjoying it. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was partly because my mind was just all about me my mom was all about me it was all about me like when well you didn't know you uh, were enough yeah i didn't know i was enough yeah and so like i didn't know i was enough so i felt like i was being selfish and at the same time like it was still all about me so i still needed my needs to get met too and i was stuck in this weird place you know um and so i would feel really bad about myself if she wasn't happy or satisfied 
But then if I wasn't satisfied, I was like, oh, man, I'm so selfish. And I would just shame myself. But also, like, I would still, like, try and, like, get stuff out of her. Like, if she didn't text me, like, I love you at night, like, I would be like, I love you in order for her to say it back. Stuff like that. You know what I mean? I do. Just so I could get. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people have probably done something like that before. And that's what it was like, man. And we were still, like, pushing forward for marriage. We were taking pre-engagement counseling. And I ended up buying the ring. And we got engaged. After 11 months, I think, of dating. So after you asked her to marry you, was there, like, a relief? Was it excitement? Were you just like, oh man, this this mm. bug is coming down the pike? Like, what did you feel? Yeah, so this is, yeah, dude. So I think I was just so anxious about making the decision that once I made the decision in my heart, all right, I'm gonna marry her. Like, I was at peace with the decision, but like, I didn't have like any necessarily. I wasn't like ecstatic. I was like, wasn't like, woo. Like, I was kind of like, all right, like the next step is just to get married and we're just going to get married. And it was just really chill, I guess. Right. Yeah. So I had a bunch of anxiety leading up to that decision. But once I made the decision, Oh, I'm going to marry this girl. I was at peace. Yeah. I wasn't like this fairy tale, ecstatic, like super like big ecstasy moment of like, Oh man, I'm engaged. Like I expected it was just kind of like, Oh, all right, now it's done. So now we're going to get married, I guess. Like, And I wasn't like negative, but it wasn't like, woo, like this whole excited thing in my mind. It was just kind of like, a, all right, yeah, like this just makes sense. So next yeah. step, next step. Um, And so I ended up going to Zimbabwe right afterwards for a school um, preaching trip. It was for uh, field school and it was for evangelistic preaching class. And so you could either go to somewhere in the States or go out of state. And we were going to Zimbabwe that year. So went to Zimbabwe for a month. <laughs> it was super cool. Hung out with my boy, Ben Williams, Ridge Garcia, and Richard Morales. And it was, we all had a room together and it was super fun. But the whole time I knew something was up with uh, my fiance. Huh. Well, how'd you know? So... I could just tell there was just something up. Like, she, there was something off. She, like, we would FaceTime almost every night if we could because there's a six-hour time difference in Bulawayo. But uh, we were we would FaceTime, and I could just tell, like, she was just, like, depressed or sad about something. Like, something was on her mind. I was like, hey, you're like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, everything's good. And, like, I didn't really think much of it. It was, like, towards the end of the trip, though, where she was like, yeah, like, I've just had a lot on my mind. Right. And this is right before I'm coming back to the United States. And so I'm like, okay, like, well, when I get there, like, well, we can talk about it and everything. She's like, yeah, like, don't worry. Everything's good. I just, it's just been a lot lately on my mind. And I just feel like I just need to process through it. I'm like, okay. So I get back. She ends up kind of blowing up on me because, and just kind of telling me how, like, I have not been like, living up to this expectation and all this stuff. And, and she was just kind of like, she was saying stuff like, like, you don't really like, I don't know if you really like love me. Like you're just doing all this, this and this. 
and I was just like taken back because I was just like, I don't even know like what's going on, right? Um, and we ended up not talking for a week, and then I ended up driving down right before I came to Florida for a summer internship at a church, and she broke up with me. Like when I went down, she gave back the ring, and I just remember driving down to Florida, and I was just like. It is well with my soul, basically. I just listened to that Bethel song. Did she? Did you have a reason, like a main reason, just like that you felt you? She is the one that initiated. Yeah, dude, she just initiated it. She said a whole bunch of stuff that I just remember being really confused about. Like she felt like I only really was in the relationship for like the physical aspect, or she felt like that I just wasn't like mature enough for marriage for different reasons and. Like, it was all, like, stuff that was on me. And then when it came to her and her reasons for herself, she just said, I need to find myself. Huh. Um, and so, that was really all she said about herself. She's like, I just feel like I don't know who I am. That was the language she used. And What did I this like, do to, your, to how you thought about yourself now? Man, dude, I was just like, I remember leaving that conversation and as i was driving out of the driveway where we had met i got i logged on instagram while i was driving away and i deleted all my pictures of her and i together instantly as you do and i blocked her on every i just blocked her on everything um and I don't know how I was really feeling towards myself at the time. I just knew that it was over and I wasn't sure where I was at with it, but I was just like, it's over. And I think when I I was driving down to Orlando to be at this church and to be an intern. And I just remember thinking like, I'm just going to like move on. Right. And I, but at the same time, I was completely broken. Um, I was listening to all these worship songs, crying in the car on the way down. And I just didn't know where I was headed after that. Because I had my whole life like kind of figured out in my mind on how it sh- sure. my life will be once I graduate, become a pastor. Um, she's going to be like the perfect pastor's wife being a nurse and singing. And I remember after that, I was just like, man, like none of that stuff ever mattered. Like I don't know what to do now. Like I was just really confused, dude. I remember thinking that and I just remember thinking about myself. Like I just want somebody to love me and accept me for who I am. (laughs) Right. I just wanted someone to love me, accept me for who I, for who I am. And I don't want to make a mistake again of like opening up my heart to somebody who won't do that. So this is two summers ago. This was 2018. So this was three summers ago, three summers ago. Okay. Yeah. So then what happens, bro? Summer 2018 stuff was going down all over the world. bro. Dude. Yeah. What, what and, happened? Yeah. So I ended up, doing that internship i ended up really enjoying it down here and made a lot of good friends and i was just like soaring i'm like i'm over the relationship everything's good 
and then I get back to Southern and I have to interact with my ex fiance like in worship band stuff. And we both kind of worked in the enrollment services in uh, different jobs, but like we were both kind of having to go there for stuff. And I just remember like, oh man, I'm actually not over this and all this stuff. And <laughs> like, I just remember there was like a couple things that had happened over the summer because she ended up uh, and yeah, she ended up going like hard into partying and all this stuff. And I remember thinking like, oh, because I found out about it. I'm like, whoa, did I even know this person? Like, because this is so different than who I thought she was. And so I ended up like identifying her with that stuff. And that was like how I made myself feel better. Sure. I started like identifying her with that. And I just remember that whole year, dude, like it was just really hard on like for me. And this is the year that like I just ended up tarnishing my reputation more and i think like at some level some people had already seen me as like kind of this cocky guy who was kind of into himself knew he was good at guitar and knew that he was popular and it was just getting to his head and at this point like like my rep my identity became oh i'm that guy who had a broken engagement over the summer right and like that became my new identity on campus and it just made me feel super insecure I was living off campus and I would drive home and just like cry and like on the way home I would pass by like this group of apartment buildings where I knew like she had been partying all summer and I just felt awful like I didn't even want to look at it like I would just like purposely look forward while I passed it and I would just go home dude and just sit there in my bed just be depressed and I just really wanted somebody to love me and I just ended up just like thinking about girls again, dude, because that was just my default of like, oh, like this is going to be what happened. So I start like going on blind dates like soon after that, all this stuff. People try and like hook me up. They're like, oh, yeah, like this is my friend. Like you should go on a blind date with her, all this stuff. So it was like a not so blind date, I guess. And how did your reputation like start coming out as the selfish guy or whatever who? Well, I think, yeah, like that, well, part of it was just the, my persona of like, I know that I'm good at guitar. Um, and then it was like, I start started dating, like going on blind, not so blind dates, like right after they're like, right. dude, is this guy like, like he just had a broken engagement, like chill out, man. Um, <laughs> and then, chill out. yeah, and then I ended up, then I ended up like becoming friends with this one girl because she would hang out at our apartment like in our in this new friend group that we kind of formed um and she just like her and i just started kind of talking and we ended up like having like a little bit of like a like a little fling thing like it was a rebound for me and i just ended up like breaking her heart really bad because i knew the whole time like it wasn't going to be what i wanted but i did it because i was lonely and i ended up just really like hurting her and through that interaction that I had with her and that like little thing, I ended up losing some friendships. I ended up like, cause she, like her and I both were kind of like kind of well-known and like, it was just not good, dude. And I just realized, man, like if I keep going down this path, I'm just going to keep hurting people. Right. And I just remember hating who I was, man. Like that's really what, where I ended up. I hated who I was because Now I'm this dude who has this, like, I felt like I had, like, this massive, 
like black paint or like red paint on me that was like yo this guy had a broken engagement so like he emotionally is scarred and he's gonna be nothing but a load of like emotional issues and then like all this stuff from my past with my dad like this dude is just gonna always be insecure about himself all this stuff and I was just in this really dark place dude where I just started (laughs) Like, thinking all these things, I ended up questioning God. I was like, God, like, why do you even want me to be a pastor? Like, I'm not worthy. Right. Like, I'm so not worthy. Like, I've never, like, as much as I try, I can't break pornography. As much as I try, like, I am always end up, like, doing something that screws up, like, my friendships or reputation. Um, I'm just always going to be this selfish dude who can't, like, break these unhealthy patterns and that's just how I just have to deal with that the rest of my life. But I don't want people to see me that way. But that's how I saw myself. So what did you make of that? What what, what was to come? Like, was what was the end game? <laughs> what was the goal? Dude, I legit was like, I don't know if I'm going to stay. I had one more semester left at that point of theology because I was going to be a super senior. So it was going to be my fifth and final semester, the next semester in the fall mm-hmm. of 2019. And so my the spring 2019 semester, this is when I was thinking all these things. I'm like, I'm completely done. Like, I, I don't even want to be a pastor anymore because I'm tired of like trying really hard. And no matter how hard I've tried, no matter how much I've learned, like, None of it has transformed my life, and all I want is peace and I, and to really know Jesus. But I just don't know how. At that point, I was just I would try to talk to him, but it just didn't. I just felt like I never had any answers, and none of the patterns in my life felt like they were changing. And so that's really where it came from. I was really done, and I was really thinking about switching my major again. Um, and then I ended up getting, I ended up interviewing with a couple conferences and the Florida conference called me in April in 2019. They were like, we want to extend the offer to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I felt, dude, I felt so, I felt so sh- ashamed of myself that I asked them to give me a couple days to think about it. Cause I didn't know like if I was even good enough to accept that. That's how much like, like most people would be like, yo, free, like free guarantee of a job. Boom. Yeah. Like, especially in pastoring, dude, that it can get so competitive of like getting into a conference here. I'm getting like an early offer for, for a conference. And I just remember being like, yo, they don't want me if they really know who I was. How, how many like, people just, do you feel knew what was actually going on with you? Well, at least from my, like, who understood from my point of view, only one person. And then there was the people that I lived with, which they kind of saw me as this dude who just, like, continues to make mistakes. And I, a couple instances, I had lied about some stuff because I just felt ashamed about, like, telling the truth. And they found out I was lying. And then they just, like, they could, felt like they never could trust me. And so all my people I live with, I just felt alienated with my last couple sure. like moments with them. And so, yeah, dude, like only one person knew, like from my point of view and that's just, yeah, dude, it was, it was hard. 
And like, I just knew that either something had to change in my life where like I was, I needed like something, whatever I was missing that I read in scripture, like where the Holy Spirit just like comes and transforms somebody. Like I needed that and I wanted it. I just didn't know how I was supposed to get it because I had tried everything up at that point. Um, so either that had to change or I needed to change my major and like just like quit pastoring all, all together. So what happened? Because we're talking now and you're in Florida. So what happened, bro? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, now I'm in Florida. But uh, so I had – so the one person that knew everything that was going on, I ended up – becoming friends with this girl and we ended up talking at that point too again so again like it was two people who like were just going through stuff and just needed somebody to listen to and then we ended up like talking and becoming a a thing right um and so she ends up making plans because her sister had worked at the summer camp in hawaii that like the previous summer in 2018 and so she was going to go out to hawaii also and it's a summer camp called Camp Wainai. And we were dating at that point. And I was like, okay, like, I guess when you go to Hawaii, we'll see how that goes, like, long distance. And when you come back, we'll decide, like, if we officially date. But she was there. And the whole time we had, like, right before dedicated, like, I was like, man, if I'm missing something in scripture, I really want to find it because I know that something's not clicking for me with what I read and then like how I'm living and like even with like other people that were in my major I was just like yo they're preaching one thing but they're living a completely different life like I always just noticed how like in church I would hear people preach righteousness by faith but then they'd be living righteousness by works and so it never like correlated with the way they lived and so the way they lived showed me what they truly believed Hmm. and I was just like I was like, yo, there's something there's something that like I'm missing here that I know that everyone else around me is missing and I'm trying to figure out what that is because if I real if it really clicked like the way that I'm supposed to live would like be coming way more naturally if it's the Holy Spirit that's supposed to produce the fruits. I knew that, but like I didn't know how to get it and so I'm studying her and I dedicate our like whole summer to just really go like deep into scripture while we're both apart and just study and figure out like how to like live a good Christian life and like what's really our purpose. And she just starts telling me all this stuff that she's hearing being preached and why not, um, how she can be live as an immovable rock now, how she can live the kingdom life now. Um, and that like how like we can like die to sin now and that I don't have to live the way that I'm living anymore. And she's sharing all this stuff with such joy. And I'd never seen her so like pumped about this type of stuff. And I was just like, oh, yeah, like that sounds great. Um, and she's like, well, you should watch the sermons and stuff like on Facebook. Like they're being live streamed from somewhere in the like less populated islands, one of the churches there. And so I look it up and I only watch like five minutes. I'm like, yeah, like it's it's OK, but. And I realized at that point, like somebody who I lived with for a long time had talked about this type of stuff with me for a while. And his name is Ben Williams, and he is one of my best friends, and I love that guy. Ben Hamin. Love him. Yeah, Ben Hamin. And he would tell me stuff like what she was telling me. And whenever Ben would tell me stuff, and it was like for like two or three years, he was telling me stuff like this. And I would just be like, 
he he would say stuff like, yeah, like I haven't like studied my Bible in like two or three weeks, but like, it's okay. Like I don't have to feel guilty about it. Like God still loves me. And like, it's not about how much devotional time I do. And I'm like, well, brother, you're wrong because you're just trying to get the easy way out. Like you must, like, I just felt like he just didn't care, but really he just knew something that I didn't. And that like, what he knew is that God just accepts him and loves him for him. And it's not based on how many things he's doing. But whenever you would try and tell me that, I would just be like really prideful in like my knowledge of how I thought it should be. I'd be like, yeah, no, like you're just lazy or whack with what your mentality is. But then when he would say stuff in class, it would be with such boldness and love. And I'd be like, yo, like, and then I would feel in like he, I would feel inferior to Ben. <laughs> and so then I would be like, yo, like, why can't I like be like Ben? And then everyone would ask Ben to preach and then never asked me to preach. I'm like, yo, why does Ben ever, like always like <laughs> get to preach for these gigs on campus? And I don't. And I just felt really inferior. And so I think I just held a grudge on anything that had to do with what Ben would talk about. And so when she's like telling me all this stuff, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. <laughs> and so, yeah, the whole summer, dude, she starts telling me all these miracles that are happening. Um, like somebody had like thrown down a pack of cigarettes and instantly got set free from smoking. Uh, I heard a story where like a couple people got like, like they felt like the Holy spirit in a room was like, felt like electricity and like, and she was one of those people that was like laying hands on this one guy who got free. And then she like felt the electricity too. And she was like, yo, this is real. And I'm just like, yo, this stuff sounds whack as heck. I was like, this sounds like some of this Pentecostal stuff. And like my mindset was just so like wrapped up in like this uh, mentality of like, yo, that doesn't happen anymore. Like, and if you do think it does, then it's some weird spiritual stuff and it's not of the Holy Spirit. It's a different spirit type <laughs> mentality. And so I was just like having a hard time receiving this. But I knew that whatever like was happening over there, like even Ben and my friend Casey and my friend Issa and Carlos were there and they were all just saying all this cool stuff that was happening. I'm just like, what am I missing? And they ended up all getting basically all of them. I'm pretty sure that of my friends that were there, which was like eight or nine of them, they all got baptized huh. basically. And you're and hearing this and it's not making I, you super happy. No, dude. I remember she called me up and she was like, Hey, like, and, and I was just like, I knew she had something else to tell me and was just going to like send me off to like being bitter about it. She's like, I have some, I have something really excited happened on the last night. I was like, oh, what happened? But like inside, I'm just like not wanting to like hear it. And she said, yeah, like I got baptized and so did like so many other people. And I just remember, dude, I just broke down crying because I was just so done because I just wanted it so bad. But I didn't know how to get it, but I wanted it, but I didn't, it was this hard place of like letting go everything that I have ever thought or known um, about how the way it should be. And then receiving like this new wine, you could say, right? Right. It was just so hard for me to like let go of the systems of religion that I had built up in my mind on the way that it should be and receiving the new wine that can exist in old wineskin. And so I just broke down because I wanted it so bad, but I just didn't know 
what needed to click in order for me to receive it. So this is after you get off the phone with her. Oh, yeah. So basically, I I started crying and I hung up on her. (laughs) You started crying when she was on the phone? Yeah, dude. I started, but she couldn't hear me because I muted myself and then I hung up on her. And then she called me back. She's like, are you okay? And I just start, dude, I just start like crying. I'm just like, I'm not okay. Blah, 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 Like, oh, wow. I don't know why you guys like are all saying this stuff. And like, I don't know what you're saying, but like, I want whatever it is and I don't know how to get it. And I'm just like, so done. And she actually told me um, one of the testimonies of that night and everything that testimony had was what I needed to hear. Huh. And that, cause it was me. Like she told me the testimony, so how somebody got set free that baptism night, yeah. and they got baptized, and everything they that that person had struggled with and wanted to get free and die to, like that's what I needed to die to, and that's what set me off. And then I just wanted it, and so she's like, "Well, like I know you'll receive it. Like let me pray for you." And so she prayed for me, and I'm just like, "I just need to be alone. I need like alone time to like process everything and just think about it." And so. She's like, okay, I'll give you your space. And yeah, so we got the phone. I'm just like kneeling down. I was uh, interning at the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church at that point. Been there. Um, in Georgia. Yeah, that place is dope. The pastor there is dope. And I was living at his house in the basement because there's a little apartment there. I was kneeling down there. And I just remember crying out to God. I was like, God, I don't know what it is that I'm missing, but I just know that whatever I've been doing my whole life has not worked. And I just welcome anything that, like, whatever it is, I want it. And so, God, I just pray that you, like, help me to receive whatever it is. And, dude, for, like, there was only the only couple times, like, I told you that I heard the Holy Spirit's voice super clear. Dude, this was just so clear what I heard in my head after I prayed that prayer. And I think God just knew I was ready to hear it. He was like, get up and read Romans. And like, I had never had God like be so direct like that. And I was like, he said, get up and read Romans. God, did you? He said, get up and read Romans. And I was like, God, are you talking to me right now? Like, he's like, yes, get up and read Romans. And so I'm like, okay, like, I'm going to go read Romans. And so I get in bed and I just, dude, I just start reading Romans. And uh, somebody had recommended me like, listen to this podcast while um reading it and it was the move with uh jonathan leonardo and justin koo and i sat there dude and for the first time dude because i can't tell you how many times and maybe somebody who's listening can relate i would read a letter from paul and not understand anything i read but at least i could check it off the list that i read it yeah but like i didn't understand what i was reading whatsoever and i thought i did but like then there's other parts i'm just like i don't know what this means Dude, for the first time, I really understood what I was reading, and the Holy Spirit the whole time was just confirming, like, yo, like, this is this, this is this. Did you just start in Romans 1? And everything. Dude, I started in Romans 1, man. Like, I went through Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans 3. Romans 3 is where it started clicking, because it was like, uh, I started going into the word propitiation, and how he's the propitiation for my sins, and... Like all these things, dude, just started clicking like that. And then I got to Romans 5 verse 1 and it says, therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace with God. And I was just like, yo, I'm justified. Like I have peace now. Holy Spirit's like, yeah. And I'm like, yo, what? (laughs) Like, how does that even make sense? And he's like, 
you got it that he's just confirming like you have it and i'm just like okay like i just receive it like i was just believing it because it says it right for the first time go to romans 8 verse 1 there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and i was like i'm not condemned and like dude i had so much peace that night going to sleep uh and i dude i legit read romans for like 40 hours basically i was just like reading Romans like 30 something hours. I even like realized how much time I was spending. I did nothing but do that. Like I honestly fasted without even realizing it for a long period of time. Cause I was just, dude, I was just ingesting this stuff because it was just so good. Um, and I just think of the verse, like taste and see that he is good. Dude, I was tasting that sweet word that was always there. Um, and man, dude, it, it my my eyes were just open. That veil was just being lifted. So it's because you had heard like Ben and this other person had been speaking life over you. And it sounds like for years and you're just like, nah, nah, nah. And then when you're at this place where you're just like wanting to give up, then you start reading it and believing it. Dude, legit, yeah. But that's the thing, dude. I was reading it, and I was just like, I see that it's saying this, and it gives me so much peace. But, like, it just hadn't hit my heart yet, I don't think, like, completely. Like, it was just, like, in my, like, my mind was just spinning, right? My mind was just spinning, um, but it hadn't, like, hit completely. I would, But I was receiving it, sure. and the, the, this, like, clarity that I had was unlike anything I had ever had when I was, like, studying theology um, as, like, my major and i ended up i was on my way it was like three days after like that whole like go read romans experience i was on my way to go mow the lawn at the church (laughs) uh and yeah and i just remember being in like this atlanta traffic and i was listening to praise music and the song how deep the father's love came on and it was the king's kaleidoscope version and it starts out with like these violins this cello and instantly dude i was just supernaturally choked up and tears just start streaming down my face even before the vocals start and once he just starts singing how deep the father's love like for the first time dude i believe that the father loved me and the holy spirit during that whole song was just like you're my son and i love you and you're free and that's what just kept like spinning in my head back and forth. And I just start ugly crying, singing these lyrics from the song. And I just start like screaming in the car, like I'm free. I'm a son and I'm, and you love me. Like I was just, I just received at that moment, man. Like I, and also dude, what's crazy. I like, I had this experience where I felt like I was floating in the car Cause it felt like the whole, like every burden I had ever put on myself, all the shame, guilt, and condemnation that I had been carrying from the broken engagement to the fling that I had after that, or anything from my childhood that I was just like, my identity was wrapped up in my brokenness, dude. Like all of that was just completely just like lifted off of me because in a single moment I saw that all of that was crucified on the cross already. Wow. And that, 
the father's love has never been based on those, like whether or not those things happened. He just always has loved me and accepted me. And Jesus came because the father loved me. Jesus didn't come in order to convince the father to love me, which I think I thought at the time. So this is, and now you got one more semester after this? Yeah, dude. I had one more semester after that. So it's getting pretty much in there. It's getting solidly in there. God loves you. There's no condemnation. Yeah. You're free. Was there anything yeah. else you had to learn that summer before going back or that you did? or? Dude, no. Legit, all I knew is that I was free from sin. Wow. Like, I was just so convinced that I was free from sin and, like, I was convicted on it. Like, all the friends that I had that came back from Waianae that were going to be at Southern still, like, we just went hard that semester, man, doing Bible studies with people. And, like, I just saw the Holy Spirit work. And you were doing them on freedom from sin, Romans 6. Dude, I literally was like, let's, hey, you guys want to study Romans? Like, with just random people. Um, Like, whether it was, like, me and this girl who we were dating at that point, and we would do, like, a couple, like, Bible study with another couple, and we would, like, you want to read Romans? And they're like, sure. And, like, I don't know if they knew what they were, like, kind of getting into, but we just went hard into, like, how much Jesus loves us and, like, how we've been set free. Um, And, like, I did Bible study. Like, I actually started a purity group, but what we did instead was read Romans 6 and, like, Romans, like, just read the whole book of Romans 2 and talking about how we have already been set free. And, like, that was just a huge thing. Um, yeah, dude, we, I, I was just like on fire for this thing, even though I barely knew how to explain it. All I knew is that like the Holy Spirit had transformed my life like, like that. And he came in and like, now I'm on this journey just to know him more. So I kind of want to get to this thing that what happened for you during the pandemic. Yeah. And, um, this Bible study that you started hosting. Um, mm-hmm. cause like we, I meet you on a couple zoom things or whatever. And then I see you and who I thought a guy you'd known for a long time, but you hadn't. And another <laughs> guy I thought I knew you didn't know for a long time, but you seem really tight with him. And that's, uh, Nicholas and, and, and Zach. But what, yeah. what got you to start this, uh, this thing during the pandemic, which has actually been, a catalyst for so many people's lives being changed. Yeah, man. So what happened was I, I ended up graduating, right? Yeah. So I ended up graduating, uh, ended up getting placed in a church here in Florida, um, in the Orlando area. And dude, it's been so like awesome with all that happening. But when that happened, it was like right before the pandemic, I got placed in this church and, I ended up, me and the girl that we were dating at the time, like, and we both were just, like, full on fire for the gospel. Like, Holy Spirit was just kind of leading us in different places, and we just decided that it was just better for us just to to break up. So, um, I ended up coming down here, was single, and yeah, dude, I was just kind of like, all right, so I just received this beautiful truth that, like, I'm just loved, I've been set free from sin, um, I'm united with Christ and I just want to share it. Right? right. I'm just like wanting to share it with people. And so I just like, not only just with church members dude, but like I had the heart for young, like young adults that weren't just in my church, but like other places just even around me. 
and I just knew a lot of people in the Orlando area. So I started during the pan at the start of the pandemic. I started doing a house church here in my apartment, <laughs> and uh, we just started reading through Romans. And I just remember it was just such a fun time reading through it. And Love Reality Tour ended up doing some Zoom uh, studies in March last year of 2020. And I remember being in a breakout room and I had known Tyler Morrison through Twitter (laughs) because I had started tweeting just like gospel stuff. And I just found other people who were saying the same thing. (laughs) And I knew Jonathan Leonardo because of everyone from that went to wine. I was, he was their camp pastor, but I didn't know Tyler was affiliated and like associated with like Jonathan and love reality tour when Tyler and I had been like talking a little bit on Twitter and I was like, oh, Tyler's on this thing? What? And so I was like, yo, Tyler, you're part of LRT. And he's like, yeah, man. And so I asked him if I could join his group for the breakout group. And I met this dude. And his name is Zach Owen. And I don't think I really have ever became like a brother with somebody as fast as Zach. Um, And... Like, it was crazy because I met him in the breakout room and I just knew that we were going to be close friends, like, instantly. And at some point, I ended up going to Maryland to shoot a wedding and we were tuning in from Maryland, me and Ben Williams, because we shot a wedding together in Maryland and we ju- we tuned in for LRT uh, and we went to the, the session and Zach saw that I was with Ben and he knew Ben. And so he texts Ben, hey, you know my boy Connor, see Yonks? And... <laughs> Uh, Ben's like, yeah, he's like one of my best friends. And so Zach and I connected and I found out that Zach was going to be moving to Orlando. And so I reached out to him like, dude, you're moving to Orlando. He's like, yeah. And I asked him where. And he said, he told me his, com- his uh, apartment complex he's moving to. And it's literally across the street. Like I'm literally looking at it right now That's through nice. my window. And I was like, there's no way this dude who's just vibing with gospel is about to move across the street with me. And I had been looking, I had been praying that like God would like help me to build a community out here. And so Zach comes in and we, and then Nick comes in because Nick starts coming to the house church because he knows Zach and Nick had just like got set free. Um, And then this dude named Cameron lives with Zach and then Cameron gets set free And so then we're doing this house church and then a bunch of our homies here start getting set free. And then the pandemic spikes a lot and we're like, all right, it's no longer good for us to like meet in an apartment. Right. So we should just start doing Zoom stuff. And we started doing it on Friday nights. And dude, it literally just exploded. Like it started out with like maybe eight to 10 people and then 10 people turned into 20 people and those 20 people like so many people who were just dealing with so much guilt and shame in their lives of what they had done dude they just like come through we have this we have this girl who she just found our bible study randomly because we had put it on instagram and somehow she's like from mexico had no idea who we were just joined our bible study and now she's like our sister yo um so we we became international and then 20 grew to 40 and then it just was consistently just like just oh, consistently crazy. just to think of it's crazy that and you've... go ahead 
And I think we've, yeah, dude, I think we've taken a break one weekend since we started it. And it's just crazy, man, because it's become a a literal meeting place and home, really, for a lot of people who, like, didn't have a home. And now, dude, they're just on next level preaching gospel to all their friends and family that they felt alienated to. And it's just... It's just insane how much transformation I I've seen, and how many people, dude. I had, at that point I don't think I had seen really that many people like in the moment that somebody's set free and it all clicks for them. Until we started this Bible study, and dude, I just ended up seeing it all the time. Like the Holy Spirit just like exploded this thing so that He could work His glory through it. And man, dude, it's been so cool. <laughs> it's been awesome, man, and. Literally, we can't count the the people. We can't count the like. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we could, but it's just, uh, it's just been a huge blessing. And like as we're thinking of, as we're thinking of how God has used your ministry there, and how God mm-hmm. has revealed Himself and His love for you, and then you think back at the the struggle with lust and the the issues with your with your pop growing up and everything how do you look at those things now in the new light of what has happened to you yeah man so much is i mean it's been a while now since like that defining moment where i received everything but dude so much has changed like i had a big encounter with the holy spirit my last semester at southern where on the way home i wasn't even really think there was nothing to really trigger it other than the Holy Spirit brought up to my mind just saying your dad did his best. Mm-hmm. And I just ended up ugly crying because I realized my dad did his best and dude, this supernatural forgiveness just like came into my heart. And like since then I don't have any sort of hard feelings or any grudges towards my dad, unlike before. And I love my dad with a love that I just can't explain now. And we've had so many good talks on like love and Jesus and everything now after that. So it's transformed that dude. I mean, like with it's transformed the way I view myself. Like I used to just hate myself, man. I hated myself. I always thought that I was less than my brother. I always thought that I was less than my peers around me, like Ben and everyone. And I had to be seen as someone that was capable, had to be seen as someone who was good and if any of that was ever affected by somebody else being better than me I just felt insecure and I would just try and perform for people so that I could be perceived that way um and it didn't matter like if if I had like stopped on somebody else in the process even though I probably would have done it in a way that wouldn't seem that way you know like and for the first time I actually could love others too because I used to put expectations on people that I had on myself dude I became such a good Pharisee I'm just gonna be real I became such a good Pharisee because it was all about how well I performed and how well I did and if other people weren't performing that I would never necessarily I wouldn't some like most of the time I wouldn't bring it up to them but in my mind dude I would think bad things about them and how much they need to change and that's why bad stuff happens to them. And dude, now I can actually love people despite what they do to me, despite what they're doing in their lives. 
And it's because like I've been set free from viewing myself that way. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So are you, when you're thinking about how you were just trying not to sin, is that how you still live? No. <laughs> you don't try not to sin? No, nah, dude. Dude, what I is, don't try not to sin. What does that look like then? Dude, and I think somebody who's hearing this, like, and they've struggled with sin, and they've tried really hard not to sin, and they know that it's not easy not to sin, stop trying. And what I mean by that is what really changed for me is believing that I have been set free, not that I have to try really hard not to sin to be free. Like I have been set free and that's something that happened outside of me because the Bible talks about in Romans chapter six, that we know that our old self has been crucified with Christ. And so I know that my old self is crucified with Christ. And so when temptation does come and it does come, like I can look at that and be like, yo, God, I thank you that my old self has been crucified I thank you that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in with me, like inside of me. Right. Um, And like, I don't owe the flesh anything because I'm not in the flesh, but in the spirit now where beforehand, I thought that if I sinned, I thought that the Holy spirit would leave me and I have to beg for forgiveness in order to receive the Holy spirit again. Right. So like for someone who's like struggling with sin, Yo, we have been set free and we set our minds on the thing of the spirit. What does the spirit testify? That we have been set free from the law of sin and death, that we are children of God and that we have access with the father and the spirit is actually powerful enough to put to death the deeds of the body um, and bring life to our mortal flesh, right? And dude, that literally transformed everything because like I just don't focus on not sinning anymore because that's sin consciousness, bro. I know that's right, bro. Man, before I ask you this last question, I want to say like props to you or thanks. And I don't know if you remember the conversation that took place when I met you for the first time in your apartment, but we were talking about this podcast and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this podcast. And Jonathan's like, what you going to name it? I was like, man, I don't even know for real. And so we're standing there in your little nook area where where your kitchen table is. And Jonathan's like, why don't you just call it From Death to Life? And I was like, yeah, From Death to Life with Richard Young. And so the name uh, From Death to Life with Richard Young, that was version 1.0. And then then it's just changed to to Death to Life. But uh, And then Christian was there and I was like, yo, can I use Outsiders as the theme song from it? And he's like, of course, man. Of course you could use Outsiders as the theme song. Of course, bro. Yeah, bro. I got you. Course, and uh, that all took place in your apartment in October. And then... In October. Like a month later, uh, Tyler's episode came out. And I looked yesterday and Tyler's episode had 999 downloads. And uh, Let's go. that may not be a lot that to, to Joe Rogan, but it's a, it's a lot to me. It's a lot to anybody who hears uh, this message of freedom from sin. And so I just think it's cool uh, 
you were there, man. You're, you're, we were in your apartment and just, uh, just thinking about this stuff not really having taken place too long ago in our lives. But so mm-hmm. much has happened since then. It's, it's crazy. So much. So, uh, here's my last question. Um, and I don't know which version of Connor. I would want you to talk to. Maybe it's the guy who just got broken up with and he's driving to Florida to do an internship. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you tell that guy that um, had the reputation and was the, the big man on campus and was the spiritual guy uh, yet seems like it was falling apart. And, uh, mm. What 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 do you what what do you want to go back in time and, and tell that guy? Dude, yeah. Um I can just tell you what the Holy Spirit showed me. Like stop trying so hard. Stop working. Like that was the word that I received. Stop working because you already have it by faith in Christ stop working that's what i would say to this person because my whole life whether it's my relationship with my father and my parents whether it was me towards myself and the goals that i had and the issues that i needed to try really that i thought i had to try really hard to stop with like pornography and stuff like that to the person who just felt feels like they're trying so hard to get somebody to love them for who they are and it never works out. Stop trying and here's the reason why. You have everything in Christ Jesus already. Like you have everything in Christ Jesus already. I thought that I didn't have it. I thought that the Holy Spirit was wonky and like it would only be in me until I sinned again and I needed to get that again. I thought that I had to grovel for forgiveness in order to be forgiven. I thought that I had to perform well in order to be accepted. I thought that I had to um, basically be somebody who I wasn't in order to receive intimacy. Like all of the above, I was just always thinking that I didn't have and I needed to do something in order to receive it. And then one day the Holy Spirit showed me that I am justified in Christ and that I already have peace with him, that I'm no longer condemned, but I'm actually loved and the Holy Spirit enjoys living within me and I'm not in the flesh anymore, but in the spirit, Romans 8. Like I have all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1. I have received and have this imperishable inheritance through the Holy Spirit who is sealed within me. That's Roman, that's Ephesians one. And I think it's first Peter one talks about that. Like all these things in the Bible that I didn't, that I had read before that I didn't actually understand what it was saying. And I didn't actually believe it for myself. I always had those things. And one day the Holy Spirit revealed that to me. Like you have all these things in Christ Jesus and you don't need to get that from another source. Cause anything else is deception you have you are loved by Jesus you are loved by God the Father like the holy spirit lives in you if in fact this holy spirit lives in you through faith in Christ like all these things are true about you and there was nothing that you could do to get that and there's nothing that you can do in order to separate yourself from that love that God has for you 
Like the Bible straight up says it. And your old self has been crucified with Christ. And so in participation, like you get the privilege to die to everything that you're still holding on to. And so just die to that and receive the beautiful gift of righteousness in Christ, the beautiful union that you have access with the Father and that you are a holy love that, that can never be separated. Let's go, dude. That's all, that's you think that guy's gonna listen to you? He he should. Dude, if he doesn't listen to me or she, like, call me, man. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Hey Not man, even thanks, joking. Thanks for coming on my on the podcast, bro. This story's gonna mm. We, we got to tell our stories, don't we, man? That's the thing that does it, doesn't Dude, it? Dude, you know what's crazy about testimonies? Because, like, reading the Word is important, right? Like, yeah. the Bible. But, like, our testimony is the Word alive. Mm. And so we're sharing, like, the Word existing alive presently, like, in us. And that's what testimony is. Love you, bro. We ain't coming questions, yeah. We been down. Love you too, man. Creed I am Madonna's most the hands now. We're from thinking bro to living rich now. Hey, busting with the twos, you watch me slide now. She look kinda bougie and she bad now. Hey, mama think I made it easy, proud now. Hey, hey. With the spirits trying to play with me Stay alive, hey.